Welcome to the 46th episode of the Game Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Thompson. Here with me is Brian Gottlieb, and Brian did not top four the Grand Prix, unfortunately. Yeah, I was pretty far from top four, almost as far <laughs> as you could possibly get from top four. Me too, man. Me too. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, that's I, enough. That's enough about that, GP. Let's move on. But the ramp deck did do well. It did. Yeah. I had a, a poor list of it. The top eight list was definitely better than my own. You don't need approach. Fair. Yep. All right, cool. Oblivion Sower. We hardly knew you. Yeah, it's gone. too bad. He didn't get his chance to, to shine, but that that was the tech for sure. Oblivion Sower changed a lot of matchups. Yeah, but now we got some Ixalan cards. We're recording this kind of a day late just because our schedules didn't really line up. And uh, we were we were greatly rewarded by a yes. bunch of sweet cards getting previewed. So uh, first thing we're going to talk about is some dope reprints. Uh, Spell Pierce, Duress, Opt, and Lightning Strike. Which of these is going to have the biggest impact? Uh, that's a tough question. They all seem pretty impactful. They really opened up the reprint floodgates today. We got absolutely rewarded for our laziness and just got like this huge dearth of really interesting cards to talk about. If you if you're forcing me to just you know make make a snap judgment, what's the most impactful? It's it's probably lightning strike to be honest, which is the least flashy answer I think. But yeah, mono red keeping its two mana burn spell and actually probably upgrading it. In most cases, most cases, um, yeah, yeah. That that's a that's really really impactful and will do a lot to shape the first few weeks of Ixalan Standard. But the other stuff is probably more interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we did spend like a good six to twelve months where Incendiary Flow was like creeping up in weird places just to deal with Scrap Heap Scrounger, but I still think Lightning Strike is better. Yeah, in most cases, I, I, again, you know, Incendiary Flow certainly had its uses, especially in this format where there was a lot of. Uh, kind of recursive creatures coming back from the graveyard. But, I mean, I know you've played a bunch of, of mono-red. I've played a little bit of mono-red, but I, I've felt the pain of the sorcery speed burn spell many, many, many times. Uh, and it's also at a, at a good time for the deck where it's losing one of its one-drops. I was never a huge fan of Soul Scar Mage, but certainly Lightning Strike being around makes it a little bit better. It makes me a little bit more comfortable losing our, our Gorgers in the one-drop spot. So That's fair. I'm, I'm holding out for something else. I hope so, yeah. Yeah, I have a problem with Soul Scar Mage. I don't think it's the best option, but if, if I'm forced into it now, I feel a little bit better about it. Yeah, can we get like a Swift Spear reprint real quick? I would That'd take that. Bonkers. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if I was going to stack rank them, I think it would be Lightning Strike, Duress, Opt, and then Spell Pierce. Not sure how you feel about that. Well, Spell Pierce demands a certain type of deck exists, right? Like it's, especially in the standard context, it's not the best control card. And sometimes it's even just a flat out bad control card. It's all about Delver. It, it was great in stuff like Stoneblade, where you had Stoneforge Mystic to protect and Jace to protect. Our permanents aren't quite on that level right now. I think that Spell Pierce will probably be more impactful than the other two cards you mentioned, just because it seems strange to me that it just be thrown in there for no reason. Like, they're they're kind of trying to set something up here. They're trying to position something. And I might have some ideas where they're going with it, but we, we can move into that uh, in a little bit. I, I want to hear some more about your thoughts about the other cards here. Yeah, so uh, I think for Spell Pierce... A lot of it relies on, like, what kinds of cards exist that you could be countering. Yes. Also, so you're like, oh, yeah, you use it to protect Jace, but I think a lot of it was to insulate themselves against Jace. That's very true. There's nothing that is that impactful, really, that you're just like, oh, God, I just have to, like, main deck this spell pierce, you know? I think Duress is actually main deckable, uh, depending on what these tribal decks end up looking like. I mean, we have dinosaurs, merfolk, pirates, vampires, and I think... Each of these is probably going to get a lot of support. Like, I, I would assume that these are things that they want to actually exist. So if that's the case, Spell Pierce looks a lot weaker to me and might just end up being a sideboard card or as like a tempo tool, maybe, like you noted. But Duress seems main deckable. And Duress was the card that Zombies has wanted for so long, and now Zombies is dead, so whatever. Uh, maybe it goes in your vampire deck, I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of other decks which are you know, foaming at the mouth to get their hands on duress. Um, yeah, even even just like black green energy, I guess, would be fine. Yeah, I don't I don't think we have to tell, you know, we have some very savvy listeners to our show. I don't think we have to tell people how impactful duress is. It's a very, very key card to have in the format. Will serve as protection against any kind of 
goofy combo stuff that pops up and just a fine catch-all in all the black decks you know basically every black deck is going to be packing some number of duress in their sideboard yeah and maybe some main deck depending on how things sure. play out but kind of it kind of does have the same spell pierce problem where maybe it just doesn't line up against all these creature decks but we shall see as as for opt i think in a different day and age this card Probably could have done some stuff, and it will definitely see play. I think, like, the Torrential Gear Hulk or Scarab God decks are definitely going to want to play this, but you have to be careful. Like, you can't have too much fiddly stuff to do with your mana in the early turns. Like, if you're playing the Hieroglyphic Illuminations mostly just to cycle them, then it is going to be tough figuring out, like, how many ops and how many Illuminations you want. But I think, in general, opt is probably going to be much stronger. Yeah, that seems correct to me. And, you know, the first kind of existing home I got to for Opt was Approach. It's it's nice to find your approaches quicker. It's a deck that relies on doing a very specific thing, is, is already in the right colors, um, has some Torrential Gearhulks post-board. So it, it just checks all the boxes. Like, I, I'm pretty sure it's just a straight four of there right off the bat. Assuming that deck still exists, obviously the context of the format is very important in regards to that. But there's also some combo-y type stuff going on here in this spoiler where I could see Opt making a home. One card that I haven't heard too much buzz about, Sunbird's Invocation seems very powerful to me. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know. Six yeah, mana. I don't, I don't either. It's a, it's a lot of mana. There's a lot going on with that card. Uh, you know, you're, you're getting paid very hard on your six mana investment. Is it the basis of a new archetype? I, that seems more likely to me than it just being like a value card in... A random deck you really kind of need to build around it one thing people have talked about is uh approach of the second sun with this card where if i read this correctly you have a very good chance of just winning the game on the spot you're not guaranteed obviously you don't get to shuffle in until that card resolves and it the, the trigger is a cast trigger but it's nice there you can see how digging seven deep and looking for your second approach would be very powerful can that deck afford to play a six mana do nothing and a seven mana quasi do nothing i don't know maybe not but it's an interesting card, and it, it has piqued my attention right now. Yeah. And something like Opt does a nice job of setting it up. Fair enough. I was I was looking at that card, and those are always the ones that get me, because it's like, it has so many words, and it's most likely going to be unplayable, but then there's just like a time when like you miss something, and it just ends up being great, you know? Yeah, a lot of words, a lot to unpack, but it does strike me as a powerful effect, and one that I would be interested in but I have to think a little bit more about exactly what I'm doing with it because I, I don't have that answer for you yet. It's just like, oh, maybe this is just pushed enough because obviously it's the type of card they would be careful with, right? Yeah. Like if they mess this card up, it just breaks the format in half. Everyone's complaining again. So six is a cost designed to be very careful. But that means there was potential at some point in development probably. And you know that, that cost kept creeping up until they're like, all right, I think this is safe at six. We can go with this. So I, I want to push the limits of that card a little bit and see if there's anything to be found. Yeah, I mean, are you are you just like Hour of Devastation, Star of Extinction, Sunbird's Invocation, just like this weirdo mono-red control deck that probably kills them with like burn spells or something? Like that, does, that doesn't sound that bad, right? Like you could see that being totally plausible. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know the answer right now, but I am excited. I, I guess that means it's a really good card, right? Where you don't know the answer when you look at it. It's not just like, oh... You know, Sahili plus, plus this cat is I win the game. It, it, right. it has a little bit more mystery to it and a little bit to unpack. And that's why we love new sets is cards like this, which present a little mystery. So that's my discussion of Opt is that I love Sunbird's Invocation. That's probably not the best analysis of, of Opt itself. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about this card in the modern context, too. Do you see Opt replacing any of the blue cantrips right now? If the decks are designed to play at instant speed, like they have a high amount of counter spells, then yeah, you're going to want some amount of ops because there are definitely turns where you hold open like two mana for mana leak or whatever on turn two, and then you can't play your Serum Visions. I could totally see ops slotting in those sorts of spots. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think that on its face, it's a little, little worse than the other blue cantrips, but the instant speed thing is a big deal. I also think that one thing that just kind of popped in my mind, I don't think it's better than the existing options in Storm, but what I do think is possible is that if Storm ever finds a reason to get away from gifts, which, you know, I'm not sure exactly what a world looks like where they are incentivized to get away from gifts, 
But I think now with this kind of critical mass of, of playable blue cantrips again, they could go back to Pyromancer's Ascension if they wanted to. Yeah. And there there aren't a lot of abrupt decays in the format right now. So that speaks in favor of returning to a card like Pyromancer's Ascension. Where's the Graveyard Hate at right now? Uh, it seems like it's a little light. You know, Dredge just won the Moto PTQ. So that's usually a sign that Gra- Graveyard Hate's on its way down. So... I do think that the Storm decks have found a new shell for themselves. They're operating in a new way, and it seems to be more powerful than the older builds. But there could be a time where they need to go back to Ascension, and this card probably does a really good job of enabling that. Yeah, I think right now they're just looking for a more consistent way to go off, and Gifts just does that. It is, it's like the entire package. Yep. And you're you're just like so light on good cantrips and light on good rituals that you you kind of need Gifts to bring it all together, and that makes sense to me. Ascension is certainly much worse if you're replacing Probe for Opt, which is effectively yeah. what you would do, right? But you, you do what you got to do. Yeah, it, you know, I'm, I'm not saying switch your, your Storm deck right now, but just a little wrinkle, something that you have available to you. Other than that, you know, maybe something like Fairies can pick up Opt. They certainly love to play at instant speed. They're very incentivized to use an effect on turn one to try and turn up their uh, their Bitter Blossom for turn two. So this this card does a nice job of that. Not that Fairies is dominating the modern meta right now but sometimes it just takes a little tweak and uh, a deck can move from kind of those lower tiers up into the upper echelon so this could be a good card for fairies for sure yeah yeah i'm done with that basically any snapcaster deck i feel like you should try opt yeah so i don't know if if grixis wants it in some numbers i mean i know people were playing uh sleight of hand and i think that opt is basically just better than sleight of hand so uh, yeah, once you have Snapcast in your deck, you know, it, it's, again, a deck I, you've played with a ton and you've felt the pain of having your Serum Visions be Sorcery Speed, and you're just like, oh, if I could just cast it at instant speed. Yeah. Well, now you kind of can, <clears throat> sort kind of. of, maybe, a little bit. Sort of, kind of, but... Yeah. Yeah, Opt is an interesting case, especially because, I, I, I don't know, like, once the cantrips blew up and they got banned in Modern and all this stuff, it, it, it made me rethink basically everything it's like oh man should i have been opting the whole time and i just wasn't you know like did did i just blow it and now we have a chance to kind of find out obviously magic's a little bit different now and i think the cards are a little bit more busted just in general but yeah opt is one of those things where it's like all right now we get to find out the truth and i think this is awesome yeah i've had the same discussion with myself and i I think back to again fairies but in standard there was a time where like we had access to four ponder and fairies and didn't and it's just like, what were we doing? Why would we ever have not played Ponder in this deck? Yeah, the understanding of one mana cantrips has evolved over time to the point where it feels like almost anything is playable. Now we get to test that with Opt. And, you know, I've played Peak in Modern before very happily. It'll be interesting to see how heavily this card shows up. But it'll be there for sure. This is this is a modern card. It feels like a modern plant to some extent. Like they they feel a little bad about taking away all of our cantrips and they're like, all right, you can have this one back. Yeah. I think this is safe. So uh, yeah, we'll see where it goes. Well, it's also nice just because, you know, there has just been this discussion for like, what what is too powerful to print in standard? Like we're probably not going to get preordained or ponder again. So like, let's test the waters with opt and see what happens. Yeah. And you know, when I think of the impact of this card, at least as it exists for, you know, the pre-existing archetypes, I certainly see this being more at home in modern than standard, but is that going to prove another false assumption where I think back on this standard and it was like, why wasn't I just playing four opt in all of my decks? Um, so we'll see. We'll see, we'll see where that where that trends out to if, if we're all just playing four opt in every blue deck by the end of this format. Well, I, I think there's something to be said for, you know, once something happens where like Preordain and Ponder get banned, people are like, oh, the cantrips are busted and we could have played them in this deck and this deck. And it's like, well, you don't see, like, modern merfolk playing Serum Visions, and there's a reason for that. And I think a lot of people are just going to be like, oh, I'm building a merfolk deck, and it starts with four ops. And I think that that is probably incorrect. And, yeah. you know, maybe maybe I'm just wrong, and, <laughs> you know, I should have been opting the entire time. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where the breaking point lies. I mean, it's, it's a combination of access to one drops and, you know, having a two drop, which is far more powerful than anything else you can be doing, things like... Stoneforge, Mystic, Bitter Blossom, those type of cards, which is not something that it seems like Merfolk is going to get op- uh, access to in this format. But, you know, we still have a lot more of the set to go. Who, who knows? Maybe there is a, a card that Merfolk always wants to have on turn two. And so, therefore, they're incentivized to be opting a little bit more. But that card doesn't exist as of now. I don't know, man. That was always part of the the problem with, like, trying to get me to play Ponder and Fairies back in the day. 
It was like everyone's argument was just like, oh, you just keep a hand with Ponder and then you try and Ponder for Bitter Blossom. And it's like, no, if the matchup dictates that you have turn two Bitter Blossom, you're better off just mulliganing for it. Mulliganing to Bitter Blossom. That that makes sense. But so you're like, oh, I want this two drop Merfolk, so I'm going to keep like bad hand plus ops to try and get there. And just like, that's not sound logic. It could, it could be that, like, maybe you should play it because it increases your chances in otherwise keepable hands or whatever, but to try and advocate for the card because it, like, finds your best card and saying, like, you need that card on turn two to be successful, it's just, like, that's not a selling point for that card. Well, you're, you're right when it comes to sevens, right? But you get a lot more keepable sixes and fives and, and things like that by having that card in your deck as well. So you're, you're right that improper application in your sevens can certainly hurt you. And it does present you with a difficult decision, which there's no clear answer to. Do I keep that ponder hand or do I, do I throw it back? I, I think on percentages, you're incentivized to just go to six if you're dependent on a bitter blossom uh, and, and not keep the ponder hand unless the rest of your hand is really good. So you're, you're adding complexity to these decisions, but I, I don't think one is right or wrong. Like you're, you're not punished by having the opt in your opening seven if you're still making contextual decisions and using your information wisely, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it all depends on, like, I, I think it's very unlikely that a, a, a deck or matchup becomes dependent on like, what is your two drop or your three drop? And like, if you don't have it, then you're gonna lose. And if you do have it, you're gonna win. Like magic's never that simple. So mm -hmm. I do think that, yeah, just like having an opt in an otherwise otherwise reasonable six or seven card hand, it's it's just mostly going to make things better unless you're already curving out like one, two, three, you know? Yes. Yeah, using it as a, a way to justify playing opt, like, oh, I want to search for like card X. That's not a good argument. That's all. It is interesting to me that like Deep Root Champion exists. This is like the Korean Dryad, 1G, 1-1, Merfolk Shop. Oh, yes, yes. Whenever yep. you cast a non-creature spell, put a counter on it. It's just like, well, it seems like these Merfolk decks are just going to have a lot of creatures, right? I mean, that's that's kind of what it looks like. But That's how Merfolk always has been in the past. I mean, that's what, that's what we would... Our expectations of a Merfolk deck would be that it's very much like kind of the current Zombies deck, where it's a critical mass and you assemble all your Merfolk together. But maybe things are a little different this time? I'm not seeing any Lords or Lord-type effects. So if it is like Deeper Champion, Spell Pierce, yeah, then you're opting in that deck for sure. So who knows? So this is, this is one of those sets where, especially since there are four different tribes... I think it is very important to get all the context before you necessarily like start making snap judgments about what is and what isn't good because it's like there's always going to be like an attune with Aether that is not revealed until like the last dump of previews. Yeah, that's that's excellent advice, especially for a tribal set where like you're reliant on the other things around that creature type to know how good you know the archetype is. I I keep getting excited about dinosaurs and. But I, I need to see all of them. I, I can't make a judgment right now. Is is dinosaurs the futures of standard? Because I don't know what else they're surrounded with. What support cards are there? You know, maybe there's a, a soul land for dinosaurs. And then it's like, okay, obviously this is the way we're going to go forward. So your advice is always correct. You need to have the context of the entire format, the entire set. But it's especially correct when it comes to tribal sets. Yeah. They're just anything that's synergy-based. So mm -hmm. basically, like, every other day, I'm sending you a picture of a new dinosaur that got previewed. <laughs> and I'm always excited about it. Like, I'm like, yes, dinosaur. I don't know if this is just my little kid, like, firing up right now. Because obviously, like all little kids, I love dinosaurs when I was little. And, and now I'm just super excited to see new dinosaurs every day. But yeah, they all, they all catch my attention, for sure. Yeah, so at this point, there are enough playable dinosaurs where I'm just like, okay... We have the things there, right? So now I'm just like, yeah, I'm waiting to see, like, is there an Eldrazi temple or is there, like, a good, some sort of good mana accelerator or some sort of good payoff card, you know? So, like, it is pretty clear to me that based on rate for some of these cards, like, they're going to be good. But, like, as far as what the decks are going to look like, who knows? Yeah, I anticipate there's something because, like, they didn't design an entire tribe filled with seven and eight drops and expect us just to play those fair, like, on their face. Granted, they are very powerful, but... Uh, you you just can't wait till turn seven to do something like that's not that's not how magic works. Right. There's going to be something out there, and I'm I'm kind of waiting to see what it is right now. But yeah, uh, just w waiting waiting to find all the the filler cards, you know, like all the role players, and then we'll be good to go. Um, you know, just circling back around to the we're speaking about the format as a whole. I I was wondering about your opinion on this because I'm already starting to think of decks to brew decks. This brings me back to the lightning strike reprint where I'm a little concerned that exploring other forms of aggressive decks 
might just be an exercise in futility based on the reprint of Lightning Strike. Like, Mono Red was one of the best aggro decks we've seen in a very, very long time. And it's basically whole. It's lost very little. Now, obviously, it's going to be wearing a target come week one, where it's going to be like the baseline of the format. Everyone's going to be thinking about it. But there is a part of me, because I think there's some kind of cool under-the-radar aggro strategies floating around right now. And I'm concerned that the printing of Lightning Strike might have Mono Red choking out a lot of those strategies. Uh, maybe. I mean, it depends on how much hate they have for Mono Red, right? Like, any of the white decks that had, like, Authority of the Consoles and Linvala is rotating, yes. So, like, not Linvala, but something to that effect, like Sunscorn Champion. Yeah, Regal Carousel is still out there. Sure, yeah. Like, there are enough things where if you're a white deck with a good sideboard playing against Mono Red, like, you can take them, you know? Like, Mardu Vehicles is still reasonable. I don't think it's going to be great, but it is reasonable. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. But yeah, I mean, Mono Red is just, it's so good. And it's like, oh no, you have to play Soul Scar Mage instead of Falcon Wrath Gorger. Boo-hoo. Some people already were. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure they were correct, but uh, we've seen it before. And, you know, it's, it's not much of a downgrade if people were already debating the slot. Yeah. Mono Red didn't lose a whole lot. It was already hella good. Arguably got an upgrade. Now there's like all these dinosaurs. Like, I think dinosaurs are good. I think they're going to be good, but... It just means like Monored's gonna play a bunch of threatens, you know. Like, yeah, that's, that's gonna. Be yeah, you don't you don't want your eight seven taken away. It's it's difficult to come back from that. Or is it seven eight? I forget how. Seven six. Seven six. Seven six. Yeah, that's difficult to defeat. Bad times. Bad times. So we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, carries Zev's expertise, and oh man, it would have been Eldrazi Obligator's time to shine. Oh yeah, for sure. He would have been stealing dinosaurs all over the place. All right, carries Zev's expertise. It is. Oh, we could have referred to him as Dennis Nedry. I don't get it. Do you get that? No. You're not a movie guy. My Jurassic Park fans out there are with it. They know what I'm talking about. Word. He, he stole the dinosaur embryos from Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. But then did, right. did he attack for did he attack hard. for seven with them? No, he didn't, to be honest. He was he was actually uh, Newman from Seinfeld. Felt. Yeah, he was pretty yeah. ineffectual. Yeah, gotcha. Just fails at everything. Yep. All right, so we're going to come back to dinosaurs. But first, since, since we kind of got into it, I don't know how much we actually talked about this on the podcast, but Jace... Jace Cunning Castaway. So I'm going to read this card, and then you're going to tell me why it's bad. You ready? I'm ready. Kind of. One UU, legendary Planeswalker Jace. Three loyalty. uh, Plus one, whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player this turn, draw a card, then discard a card. Minus two, create a 2-2 blue illusion creature token with when this becomes the target of a spell, sacrifice it. And minus five, create two tokens that are copies of Jace Cunning Castaway, except they're not legendary. I don't think this card's bad anymore. I think what? I was wrong. Why Why yeah. are you keep changing your opinion? No, we're supposed to debate this. Oh, man. All right. Here, here was my initial fear about Jace. And I'll tell you where I'm at now. I, I thought his impact on the board was fairly low. I thought that the double blue casting costs didn't really fit with existing archetypes. Like, you kind of see him slotting in something like Teamer right off the bat. I think is his natural home. Um, kind of a a sticky effect that can play both sides very well, both filter your draws and, and present a, you know, kind of meager clock, but a clock nonetheless, and then threaten an ultimate uh, against, you know, control decks that again is just kind of middle of the road, not that exciting. So when I was thinking about this card in existing context, I was just, I was a little low on it. I, I thought it was probably a fine card, but it wasn't the type of card that I, thought was going to define the format now i'm not so sure because i started actually thinking about new archetypes which could take advantage of jace and some of them are really 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 interesting one card that i am now excited to combine jace with is heart of kieran i think that's kind of a natural fit you get to make your own smuggler's copter except even bigger (laughs) i think that Along those same lines, Jace could be discarding something like Scrap Heap Scrounger and crewing up those Heart of Kirins. Looting is very good in a deck which has a super powerful card that you always want to draw. Well, what about something like Hazaret in a blue-red aggro deck? Um, and guess what you can discard? You can discard Earthshaker Kenra, and you can discard maybe Champion of Wits and play this bizarre mid-rangey type game where you have this never-ending flow of threats from your graveyard. Uh, and then I started thinking, I'm, I'm kind of just throwing everything on the table now and I'll let you respond to it. I started thinking about 
uh, carries Ev and the fact that when you use a first strike creature and a creature that does regular damage, you actually get to loot twice in a turn off Jace's ability, which is pretty impactful and is a very nice curve just going carries Ev into, into Jace. So as time went on, I started to get actually pretty excited about Jace. And uh, I wonder if you're kind of excited for some of the same reasons I am. I am basically excited for Jace because it is very cheap. Uh, it does a lot of different things. It doesn't do anything like particularly great or whatever, but it's just like kind of this thing that is going to do a lot of different things per game and is going to be kind of hard to deal with, uh, especially from like a control deck, although like maybe Lightning Strike changes things. I don't know. But if you play it and get a loot out of it, you can end up making two little phantasmal bears. If you just play it, make a bear, then start looting, like that's also okay. But I, I just feel like you know, you're going to you're gonna be, like, looting, sculpting your hand. Maybe they deal with your board, and then you just get to, like, untap immediately, like, reload with a free 2-2 and just, like, play something else. It's just, like, it's it's one of those things that makes these creature decks very difficult to deal with where they're coming at you from a bunch of different angles, and Jace just does that. Yeah, diversity of threats is a key tenant of modern magic. Now that I'm starting to see some, some really cheap blue spells show up alongside Jace, things like Opt, I started thinking about just, you know, very, uh, I guess I would call them tempo-y style decks, like something with like four unsummoned, four fatal push, Dread Wanderer, Scrap Heap Scrounger, Heart of Kieran, Jace, and Liliana, maybe? A couple Lilianas? Um, you know, just this deck that really gets on board very, very quickly with a diverse array of threats, kind of negates everything your opponent is trying to do, maybe with Spell Pierce, depending on the context of the format. Before you know it, the game's over. And uh, you didn't really do anything of any consequence. And, and Jace got a few loots in there to keep the unsummons coming. He, he put a 2-2 into play uh, and very subtly took over the game for the aggressive blue deck. Um, so I, I think some of those pieces are starting to come together in, in, in both blue-black and blue-red. I'm interested in Jace. I think Jace is interesting in God Pharaoh's Gift decks. Um, he kind of is, is playing a very nice piece of the, the puzzle there where he's both filling up the graveyard, uh, presenting another form of threat. I, I'm I'm really interested to see how often Jace ultimates. Yeah, me, me too. Um, I, th I think that's the greatest test for Jace, <laughs> is, is the ultimating on a regular basis, um, because then he becomes very ridiculous very quickly. And I talked about modern doubling season. I, I don't actually believe that's a deck yet, but maybe someday, maybe someday. I, I, there are interesting pieces to go along with Jace. Master of Waves in some kind of, again, aggressive blue deck that has spreading seas and early blue disruption and, and probably not opt. I don't really see opt there, but, but you get the picture. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think Jace does a bunch of things, none of them particularly well, but it's a three mana planeswalker that also does all these things. And that that's just a recipe for success. You know? Yeah. He requires some effort. And I didn't put in the effort when I first looked at him, I was just like, well, where does this go? And then I was like, Oh, this doesn't do anything in this deck. But you know, if you have a deck that's getting on board, turn one and turn two, and then you go into Jace, I think you're in a very good spot. And I think one of the most powerful two drops in the format in heart of Kieran plays very, very well with Jace. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I feel like this will likely fit into whatever blue green merfolk looks like. I mean, this puts a counter on your two drop duder. Sure does. Man, it puts a counter on him, and you get to make a 2-2 or loot or whatever, you know? It's all good. I was wrong about this card, I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm going to be a Jace supporter now. It just took a little brewing, and I got pretty f quickly on board. Uh, we spent most of the car ride back from uh, GPDC just talking about different homes from Jace and, and realized there were quite a few right off the bat, and there's a lot of cards that synergize really well with him, and the graveyard is still a, a fruitful place to be right now. Um, you know, there's a little graveyard hate out there where if you maybe delved too far into that realm, you might have some trouble. But uh, I think week one, I, I would explore Jace as a very, very potent point of power for the format. I'm very happy that Prized Amalgam is rotating so that I don't get tricked anymore. <laughs> that, that would be a, a strong incentive to be Jacing. Um, you don't have to worry about that, though. You're safe. God, I, I would... Just let Prize, let him go. Let it, let Prize Amalgam sail off into the sunset. We don't have to talk about him anymore. Minister of Inquiries, Siren Storm Tamer. That's so a lot many of cards terrible, that go well. So many terrible blue one-drops. Unsummon. I feel like Sam Black is going to build this deck. It's going to be great. Probably. Yeah, and I'm sure he'll do very well with it. Um, do you like Siren Storm Tamer? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's interesting. Very small effect, but... Okay, well, let's 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 talk about the tribes. We'll split them up, right? So we'll lead with dinos. 
What I have envisioned for dinosaurs is that Ripjaw Raptor is basically going to be everywhere, regardless of creature type synergy. It's so big, and it's a potential engine card with Walking Ballista. It uh, allows you to cycle like your red removal if you even really wanted to do that. Like This card is big, and most of the things that kill it are damage-based, so it seems like you're basically going to get a lot of value from this thing. Yeah, five is the magic number right now, right? Yeah. Five toughness. No Chandra, no Glorybringer. Uh, Harness Lightning is still a thing, obviously, but can't win them all. Yeah, I mean, if it gets Harness Lightning, you're still drawing a card, so it's not it's not the end of the world. You know, the, the fail state of this card is is very respectable. I also am a fan of Ripjaw Raptor. I don't I don't need to say the same things you did. Uh, we are thinking on the same wavelength. This is a card that's going to see a lot of play. So I understand the flavor behind, like, walk the plank, not working on merfolks, right? Because they just swim away. But, like, how are you going to make mm-hmm. a dinosaur walk the plank? Good luck with that. Well, thankfully, I'm not in charge of making dinos walk the plank, so that's not an issue I have to, to, to deal with for the time being. Yeah, that, that's just, like, the only clean removal spell, right? Except for this four-mana Vraskas thing. Like, who cares? Yeah, are you excited about that card? I, I thought people were way too hyped about that card. It's four mana, one for one removal. Like, how often in the history of Magic has that been good? Well, it does exile Hazaret and it gains life, so that's... I, I think it's fine. I think there'll be one or two of them in some control no, decks, this but... Is, this uh, is Utter End. Think about how often Utter yeah. End saw play. It's just like, maybe it's a one of, maybe you have like another one in your board or whatever, but it's like, you don't jam for this card, you just can't. Okay, I didn't mean to derail us there. No, but no, it's, it's yeah, fine. I, I'm on the same page. It's fine. It, it exiles Hazaret. People were playing Hour of Glory. Like, this card will see play, and it'll be perfectly fine. It, it is especially good against red decks. But outside of that, it's like you're not going to be playing four of this in any deck. Thank you for being the voice of reason. We can return to our scheduled dinosaur program. Dinos! All right, so, so Ripjaw Raptor is dope, and it's going to go in black-green energy, probably teamer energy. It's going to be all over the place. As far as what these dino decks look like, I feel like there there are some some pretty enticing large dinos. There's a eight mana white Wrath of God dino, Awakening Sun's Avatar, five dub 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 dino avatar. Uh, when it ETBs, if you cast it from your hand, destroy all non-dino creatures. Seven seven. There's Mythic Dino. I don't know any of their names yet. Gishaf, Sun's Avatar. Five yep. plus Naya, Trample Vigilance, Haste. When this deals combat damage to a player, reveal that many cards from the top of your library. Put any number of dinosaur creatures from among them onto the battlefield. Jesus. And the rest on yeah. the bottom of your library in a random order. Seven, six. Dude, this feels like one of the most powerful uh, tribal lords. Obviously, he costs eight, so he better be. But uh, I think you get your money's worth for an eight mana creature. If, it's, if it's eight and it has haste and it hits them for seven... I mean, if you have, like, 12 to 16 dinos in your deck, like, you're doing it. It's happening. Yeah, and there's some very good comes-into-play triggers on the dinosaurs as well. Mm. Wow, it's actually sick that you hit the Wrath one and it doesn't trigger. It doesn't, like, blow up your stuff. Yeah, it, it's non-dinos. Dude, that's that's a feature, not a bug. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it goes very well with, with that guy. And then let's talk about... Reg- Regisaur? Um, I want to talk about Verdant Sun's avatar. Oh, okay, sure. Which is a, a little bit unassuming, like seven mana for a five five doesn't seem like a a huge deal, but this gets out of hand very quickly. I mean, say you hit two of these, I mean we're we're living the dream a little bit, but it's not implausible. You hit two of these off your Gishath Sun's avatar, you just gain twenty, and you're in a pretty good position because your board is full of giant dinosaurs now. I think this card's good. This thing is awesome because if you're ramping and trying to stabilize behind big creatures, like this is what you need. You need something that is good that you're incentivized to play already that also helps you stabilize. So anything that's like, you know, ETB kill some smaller creatures or like ETB gain you a bunch of life, like those sorts of things are going to be excellent. So this is this is kind of like the glue. I feel like this is a card that was basically tailor-made to make sure that these these like big dinosaur decks have time to actually do their thing and slow the game down. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, you you mentioned damage to a creature. There's Burning Sun's Avatar, three damage target opponent, three damage up to one target creature. It's picking off little guys with that. Um, you know, we have our Wrath Dino. We have R- Regisaur Alpha. Is it Regisaur Alpha? Maybe it's Regisaur it's, it's Alpha. It's Regisaur. It's got to be, right? He's like the king. Yeah, that that seems correct. Putting seven seven power worth of guys, seven toughness worth of guys into play. For five mana. Off, off his one body. His yeah. roommate Dino. Yeah, yeah. And your other Dinos have haste now, so if you weren't far enough ahead. Yeah, so this is it's basically Broodmate Dino. Uh, it does die to Glorybringer, which I do think is going to be an issue, but you still end up with a 3-3, which is not the end of the world, you know? 
Yep, I, I think he still justifies his inclusion. But now we have to come to the sad truth about dinosaurs, is that we have just sit, sat here and listed a ton of creatures which cost somewhere between five and eight mana, and we don't actually know how we're doing this right now. We don't know how we're surviving to put all these giant dinosaurs into Trust play. Trust me, it's going to be okay. Um, we'll figure it out. I think so too. It has to be, right? Because you don't design these amazing, flavorful dinosaurs that we're all super excited about and just leave them no way to be standard viable. There's some glue. Uh, and you mentioned the life gain dino. I agree. He's a key piece of the puzzle for sure. And I think he's he's well-costed and well-power and toughness Id. I don't. I don't know what the the verb of that is. Um, but but he's basically well put together to be a little unassuming on his face. I think people aren't ex- excited about that dino as they should be. But the card's very good um, and will be a key component of the decks. So we have Savage Stomp, which is a nice way to regain some tempo. Uh, this is the prey upon. Yep. And I think like Ripjaw Raptor with this card is especially absurd. Yeah. Uh, there's this card that I just saw, Drover of the Mighty, which is 1G11. It gets plus 2, plus 2 as long as you control a dinosaur, and it's tapped at what mana of any color to your mana pool. So, like, that's a fine enabler, not necessarily for, like, the 8-mana dino deck, but just, like, the Raptor Regisaur one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, I'm I'm picturing, like, a smaller dino deck with uh, either Teamer or Naya or both, and then kind of, like, just Teamer energy, basically, with dinosaurs instead of the Glorybringers and all that stuff. Uh, Chandra is awesome at ramping into these things. Like the plus two on Chandra has, has never looked better, right? Yep. Cause you go straight from four to seven black green energy. Like I noted. And then I do think that there's just going to be some sort of ramp one, you know, like hour of promise, sweltering suns, whatever, except instead of Eldrazi and world breakers and stuff, you're just playing dinos. Yeah. It seems reasonable. You know, I, I mentioned when you pointed out the white dino that I'm a little concerned that if hour of promise couldn't get there with soul lands and when i say soul lands i mean lands which are capable of tapping for two mana and eldrazi then is it really going to be able to get there off the back of dinosaurs well some of these comes into play triggers are in in certain situations even better than the eldrazi triggers you know i guess we have to see what lands are out there it seems like there should be a dino land right like a dino nest or some kind of I don't know. I feel like we're going to see something. I haven't done the math on the numbers yet to see like what other lands are out there, but it, it feels like there should be something there. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, like there is the, the fake cavern of souls. There's a creature mana rock that only adds mana for the chosen creature type, right? Pillar of Genesis, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Pillar of Origins. Sure. Dude, who who would be the, the pillar of Team Genesis? Was it was it Michael Majors and now he's gone? Uh, that's the correct answer for this podcast, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Regardless of fact, we have to be loyal to our own. So the answer is Agreed. majors. Okay. Uh, what is this? Another five mana dinosaur? Five mana, five, five trample. ETB deals one to each other creature. Eh. Maybe in the right spot. You could see him being a, a sideboard card in the right matchups. Uh, regardless, just like the, the fives and sevens and eights all look great. And, and the four, I guess, too. Yeah. And, and granted... It's easy for fives and sevens to look great, but these combine in such a way that you can see them coming back for some very, very large deficits. I think surviving till your first Gishath attack is a very viable strategy. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's like, okay, yeah, obviously they could make like a seven mana 2020, but I wouldn't be impressed by that. But it's like all of these things do things to keep you alive, which I think, yes. which I think is great. Like, you know, either you're sweeping the board or like hitting them and you know, potentially re-upping on a bunch of, like, dino blockers. Like, this thing has vigilance, too. Or you're gaining life, whatever. Like, making two bodies off the five-mana thing. Like, all of these things have comeback mechanics, like, stapled onto them. Yeah, and we can also explore ways to get unfair with our dinosaurs. You know, that's that's a, a viable road to go down. We still have Liliana around, right? So, um, you know, we're stretching into a lot of colors right now. That's but okay. there there are I'm ways down. there are ways to cheat creatures into play, for sure. I'm down. Yeah, and, and those decks, if you think about those decks, and I did mess around with, like, the kind of uh, bug reanimator list for a long time, and they would often, like, set all this up, and their payoff would be, like, an Ishkana or, you know, or, or a Razaketh was, like, the best payoff. And even that in some spots was a little dicey. But it's very easy to see situations where Gishath is, is doing a much better job than those guys that just completely taking over the game. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we have Champion of Wits and Liliana Death's Majesty, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We can play, like, a Tune Aether Hub and whatever off-color fast lands to maybe hardcast these things. Is yep. is there another good Zombify? Is there, like, a five-mana Zombify? Do we lose Ever After? Is that still around? 
Uh, it was it was in Innistrad, one of the two sets, so I think we lost it. Okay, so that's gone, yeah. Maybe there's just pure Zombifies floating around somewhere. Or a five-mana Zombify floating around somewhere. Which obviously isn't ideal, but when the payoff is this big, it's like, probably willing to go there. Yeah, Gashath is a nice reanimate target, so good good call on that. Now, obviously, you have to build your deck completely, or you have, you have to warp yourself around it, where you're getting paid on your hits with Gashath. How many dinos do you um, need, though? I started with the assumption that you need around 14 for it to be reasonable. That's a lot. It is. But you're lucky that the dinos are really good. And the the ones that I think you're unquestionably maxing are in one of your core colors in green. Like, I, I think you're maxing Verdant Suns and Ripjaw 100% of the time. So, and that also is like, does that 14 include four Gashath, which isn't actually a hit mm-hmm. off Gashath? I mean, I guess you could like take it to get the Verdant Sun's avatar trigger if you, if you hit two. I don't know. There, there are some complications in your dino numbers. And uh, that's why like, it feels like the thing we're missing is a tiny dinosaur, which doesn't really feel like a real thing. Like it's, it's very hard to make a tiny dinosaur and have it feel correct. But if there's some weirdo like baby dinosaur, um, that could be the glue that holds all of this together. I don't together. know, man. They, they have this Kinjali Sunwing. It's like the 2-dub, 2-3 flyer where their creatures need to be tapped. Like, it is clear that they are willing to make small dinosaurs. And Ripjaw Raptor is like fine glue, you know, for, to, to kind of like cement the mid game. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a good like Centaur Healer, three-mana dinosaur or something like that. I'd be down. Yeah, yeah. I, for, I forgot about this little guy. That's, that's true. There are little dinosaurs existing out there. So, yeah, again... Wait for that whole spoiler because uh, dinos may be the way to go, and they certainly have piqued my interest thus far. Dinos are dope. I think I think uh, Burning Sun's avatar is a trap. I don't think you want that one. The red one, yeah, right? But I think he's underwhelming in the face of the other ones. I think that's unquestionable. Yeah, and I don't know. This is they're these are all just like Inferno Titans, you know. Yeah, even the bad ones in Inferno Titan. <laughs> the one that you're like, I'm not sure about this guy. He's still like a first turn Inferno Titan. You remember like how good Inferno Titan was when he came down. Yeah. I guess it doesn't break up as well, but you get the picture. These these are powerful cards that we should certainly be investigating. Yeah, so now we, we just need the enablers. And, you know, maybe they're already here. Maybe it is just like Druid of the Cowl nonsense. And you just ramp up that way. Like there's still Channeler Initiate. There's Servant of the Conduit and the energy stuff. So who knows? I don't want to play Druid of the Cow anymore. I've played a lot of that <laughs> card. Please please don't make me do it anymore. I've had enough. What, <laughs> like, what about Drover of the Mighty? I, I don't know what that is. What's Drover of the Mighty? Oh, that's the... Oh, the dinosaur guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's That seems like a, a little bit more in my speed. Like, it's very easy to picture Drover being very good and, you know, turn three, him turning into a 3-3 three, three when he puts your Ripjaw Raptor into play is, is going to be a fairly common line of play, I believe. So. Oh, man, Ripjaw Raptor. It's a four dollar rare, and I pre-ordered a bunch of them. I think it is just going to go up. It's so hard for rares to be worth more than, especially like colored rares. Like artifact rares can somehow sometimes push through that barrier, but uh, you know, modern magic with mythics and you know, random. I, I think the key is that it just has to go in every deck with that color. I think Ripjaw Raptor is going to do it. What does Glorybringer cost now? Is that over four dollars? Uh, that's, that's a reasonable point. I'm not sure why Glorybringer, like it had the initial hype around it and then it just died off. But it's still played everywhere. It's not like Glorybringer has gone away. Like maybe it's not a four of in every deck, but it's certainly like pretty much every red deck has some Glorybringers. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like the, the first day they were like 12 on Moto and then the next day they were like two and like, I get that, you know, the supply and demand or whatever, but it's like, you would think that it would retain some of that. Yeah, especially Moto. It's it's almost impossible for rares to maintain any kind of semblance of value at this point because there's just too many opened. I, I just think the time has, has come and gone for prospecting on standard rares. It's, it's very hard to get paid. I don't know, man. There, there were things like Deck and Stone that spiked for a little bit and obviously it settled down, but it's just like the, the week one, week two stuff. Yeah, I guess here's my question is like, do you make do you make sales in your first week when you get those spikes? Yeah, for sure. Because I, I don't. I like get them and they sit in my boxes forever. So so you're better at this than I am is, is basically the moral of the story. Whereas I get excited and I'm like, oh, I nailed it. I'm definitely going to pre-order this. Uh, and then I do it and they just Ooh, sit in my house. Ripjaw Raptor's already up to five. We're doing it. There you go. It went, Getting paid. It went up a dollar. And then, Getting paid. And then after this podcast, they'll go up like 50 cents, you know? Yeah, that's that's our actual secret goal here. If everyone hasn't figured this out by now, we're just uh, manipulating the market to make 50 cents at a time. And we're killing it right now. Profits are good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are just, <laughs> we are, we are getting tens of dollars. 
yeah hand over fist with the with the ten dollar bills it's crazy yeah your your day job with a as a lawyer is not working out that well so yeah yeah i had to get these quarters instead word all right so dinos are great uh rip jar raptor is gonna be everywhere you're gonna have a lot of fun with ballista and that card the end agreed as for everything else there's some merfolk i don't really know what the merfolk are doing there's like some stuff that's telling you to play other merfolk there's some stuff that's telling you to play non-creature spells there's some stuff that are telling you to put like counters on your things what the hell yeah my take is also what the hell um i don't i don't know what the merfolk are trying to do right now they look a little different than previous merfolk we've seen first of all because they're green second of all because they don't seem to be like basically merfolk previously operated as faux zombies where they kind of assembled in large groups and island walked around and then kill you now it seems like they're just doing other stuff and is it counter-based? Like, I see a lot of plus one, plus one counter stuff with the merfolk. I don't know. I, I think we're missing a piece of the puzzle right now. That's my assumption, is that yep. there's a card out there that's going to kind of bring this all into clarity because they don't have an identity right now, and um, that's not how Wizards designs modern magic cards. There, there's there's going to be some clue to tell us how to play merfolk right now. There's just some guys who are individually powerful. I think uh, Coppola, Coppola, however you'd like to pronounce it, uh, is a very nice get for kind of legacy and modern merfolk. Um, having your Kira be on type is impactful. Um, the fact that it does a lot against Abrupt Decay in legacy is a big deal, um, whereas Kira was very vulnerable to that card. Yeah, I, I kind of want to hold judgment on merfolk for now. I, I don't know exactly what's going on. Yeah, same. Uh, I think that Herald of Secret Streams, the 3 u 2 3 uh, creatures you control with a plus one plus one counter on them can't be blocked could be good in winding constrictor decks and that's that's just another thing where it's like if these merfolk care about plus one plus one counters well you know we're gonna give them some snakes ballistas and rip draw raptors to play with yeah i guess in that context it's it's very nice that the merfolk are green they slot very well into those existing archetypes and you could certainly see merfolk on the battlefield along with Winding Constrictor, and uh, I, I could see that being a powerful combination. Things like Waker of the Wilds are kind of neat with that effect. Yeah, a little expensive, but... A little expensive, a little expensive, but it also creates an army very quickly in the late game. Uh, I'm not saying it's like a four of, but I could see it, you know, being a piece of the puzzle in that deck for sure. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, like, you just want to, like, Rishkar these these Merfolk, right? That's a nice approach. Like, that, that just seems like the best way to do it. Yeah, maybe that's that's the plan. Or, or you just jace them. I don't know. It is weird that, like, most of the merfolk I've seen that I would want to play are blue. And then, yeah, you have jace, so that kind of makes sense. And then you have this green one drop. It's like, ah, oh, God, how do I cast that thing? Yeah, that's that's maybe something we should talk about a little bit, is that the right now the enemy mana bases don't really work. I, I don't know how you set up, you know, two-color enemy decks. And I talked a little bit before about jace in the context of a blue-red deck. That's the biggest thing holding me back is, like, how do I cast my spells on this deck? There, there's not a ton of options right now. So I, I I, really think there's more land coming. That's just kind of my guess. It feels like we're missing uh, something in that regards. Uh, maybe I'm being overly optimistic here, but I would like to have all of the color pairings be reasonable options, and it doesn't feel right now like doing enemy stuff is actually viable. Yeah, it's, it's possible that... I, I would expect Rivals of Ixalan to have more support for these tribes, so... Maybe not all four of them hit this time around, but maybe when Rix comes out, then you have enough. And yeah, maybe Rix has like some enemy dual lands. I don't know. But we do have Highland Lake. I don't know if you know that and Woodland Stream and all that stuff. Oh, those are the ta the tap lands, right? Yeah. If we have to, we have to. I, what you're saying makes a lot of sense, though. I could certainly see the... Um, the same type of lands. I don't know what we're calling them now. I call them the M10 lands. Uh, I could see the enemy versions of those maybe popping up in the next set. That seems pretty plausible. Yeah, that that would work. I'd be fine with that. But yeah, who knows? We, like, we, we only have like a third of the set, basically. And already it's like, okay, you know, some of these things are cool, right? And we're just waiting, waiting for more stuff. And today was a good day. We We got some pretty interesting stuff shown already, which gives me a lot of hope. Yeah, it was a very exciting day, and it's it's a very difficult spoiler season to evaluate because we're doing it backwards, right? Like, the leak forced a lot of, of of changes in the spoiler season, and they didn't really have any... Like, 
they very much curate the way they show us the pieces so we get this picture of the format and what all these things are supposed to be doing and they lost that option this time but they've done a good job keeping spoiler season uh still exciting i'm i'm glad the spoiler season wasn't completely obliterated by the leak uh, and there's still been interesting stuff going on because I, I do really appreciate spoiler season. And as much as I love information, this is one of those times where I do appreciate the slow trickle we get. It gives you a little time to digest, a little time to speculate, uh, and, and makes it a little bit more fun. So Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So the other two tribes are pirates and vampires. And we've seen a lot of pirates, but kind of similar to merfolk, they're all just sort of doing weird stuff. And then vampires, I just, I don't even know. I don't even know what there's, I haven't, I don't think I've read a vampire card where I'm like, this is strong. Yeah, I posited that the the best vampire cards shown so far is Sanctum Seeker. And you very quickly pointed me to a pretty much strictly better Sanctum Seeker, which saw no play in the previous standard. What was that card called again? Brutal Horde Chief, which was yeah. a, a set that I worked on, which is why I remembered it. And I was like, why, why are people like talking up this card so much? It's just like, I mean, I guess... It reads strong, and people are like, oh, Hellrider, but, like, it's not. Nope, it's not. It's definitely not. And the rest of the vampires around it are also not the supporting cast that Hellrider had. So, yeah, I have not seen anything out of the vampires yet that has piqued my interest. Um, As far as pirates go, I think maybe the best card spoiled so far still might be Ruin Raider. I think that card's really exciting. A very good version of the Bob effect. I don't know. I guess, like... Maybe I would temper that by saying the dino stuff is a little bit more splashy. But at the same time, Ruin Raider is just a very good version of that effect. And you can see it slotting in any black aggressive deck. It makes perfect sense. Um, Kind of that theoretical blue-black aggro deck I talked about before, where everything's super cheap and you're very tempo-y. Ruin Raider would be right at home there, crewing the Heart of Kirin that your Jace is going to help take to the skies. So... As far as individual cards, I think Pirates has have a leg up on Vampires, but neither tribe excites me right now. Yeah, Ruin Raider is the, the aggressive decks Rogue Refiner, right? And the alliteration on both cards is really funny to me. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised this card at Rare to not see like some sort of Rider on it, just like some extra ability, but I don't know. It is It is definitely good enough to be played, right? Yeah, you don't think it's just strong enough on its face? I mean, the fact no. that you get the the Bob effect on the turn it comes into play is a very, very big upgrade from every previous Bob. Yeah, no, it is. It's Rogue Refiner, right? If, if you're doing what your deck wants you to do, it's Rogue Refiner. But at, yeah. at rare, it just strikes me as like, I don't know, it just like looks kind of bland as a, just a three mana three two. Uh, I understand what you're saying. It's it's not as as splashy as as some rare cards, but I think just in terms of power level, it's it's going to make up for that. And you know, if they added anything else else to this guy, he probably has to be a mythic because he goes just totally off the charts. And he doesn't make a very good mythic either. He's just kind of a dude who attacks, um, and otherwise he'd be out there ruining games of limited all the time. So. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Ruin Raider does. He could certainly have a home in this format. He's really um, one of the big catalysts for me liking some kind of blue-black aggressive deck. I, I I really think that archetype could have legs, the super cheap interaction, a lot of good stuff mm-hmm. going on with, with that so, archetype. Okay, so, so I, think, I think what happened was I read this as an ETB and not a beginning of end step. Okay, so how do, where's your opinion at now? I don't know. Now it's weird because, so it's repeatable, right? Yep. Uh, but they can kill it. To make you not draw a card. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if this got better or worse. I mean, I guess the, the upside is is better. And presumably if you're getting through with some creatures, like your opponent's likely tapped out or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm making up some theoretical scenarios, but in the spot where you go Heart of Kieran into this guy and they kill this guy, mm, you probably came out ahead in that exchange. Like if they have to use their removal, their instant speed removal spell on your Ruin Raider instead and your heart is still bashing for four in your super aggro deck. Um, I, I think you might not mind that trade so much. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think this is a very interesting card. I would be very surprised if it doesn't become an important part of the format. Yeah. Okay. So this this at rare, since it's repeatable, makes sense to me. I take the, okay. I take that back. I, I do think it is going to be very similar to Rogue Refiner, and obviously Rogue Refiner is great. So. Yeah. Yes, it is. All these all these other pirates are like I'm trying to trying to think of like an analog but it, it just seems like you're just beating them down with like a bunch of like flying men and just kind of like beating them on inches and they're just like oh man all your cards are so bad and then they just end up losing and they're just like how the hell did i lose like that sort of thing 
Yeah, I, we could be missing a piece, right? There might be some crazy pirate stuff still hidden in the set. But uh, a lot of this stuff falls... Like, pirates are supposed to be aggressive, right? Well, why would I want to do this instead of play Hazaret? Like, you have not given me any reason thus far. Siren Storm Tamer. Just like evasion on a lot of these cards, I think, is, yeah. is pretty relevant. A little bit of evasion... I don't. I don't know that that's going to make up the difference in power level. It's you're going to have to show me something else. I guess I'll just consent to the fact that we could be missing pieces right now. But as it stands, pirates are pretty far down on on my interest list, and we have our mythic pirate already, right? Like this is this dire fleet ravager a mythic? I think MTG Salvation is telling me it is, and this card's not interesting at all. It's like it's just not good. Dire Fleet Ravager. I mean, we have Admiral Beckett Brass. What is the other one? Again, not super exciting. The one I'm looking at is Dire Fleet Ravager, which appears to, on MTG Salvation, be a mythic. It's a black, black, three colorless, orc pirate, menace death touch. When Dire Fleet Ravager enters the battlefield, each player loses a third of his or her life rounded up. 4-4. Four, four. Ew. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't sound like a mythic to me at all. No, that's that's kind of weird. It could be, they, they could have it wrong too. They don't have an image. They only have the card text. So it's totally possible that that's uh, not actually supposed to be a mythic. Yeah, the image on Mythic Spoiler is just like super obscured. So maybe that's pulled off off the leak, but uh, not not a super exciting card. Hopefully there's something else out there for pirates because, uh, I don't know, I, I'm sure a lot of people are wanting to convert their Hearthstone experience into magic and just be smashing <laughs> with pirates all the isn't time. It, so. Isn't it weird that they have like, a pirate dinosaur set, and this one is also a pirate dinosaur set. It's so bizarre. It's weird. I mean, I, I'm not going to go as far as to accuse them of lifting the idea because I'm sure this has been something. I mean, R Mark Rosewater told the story of the genesis of this um, idea, and it very clearly was not we played some Hearthstone and yeah. <laughs> figured out it was a good idea. Well, they're probably both um, in development I, at the same time or like initial design. Sure. It doesn't take a lot of a lot of imagination to think us nerds would love a set filled with dinosaurs and pirates. Like, no kidding. Like, it's not really much of a stretch whatsoever. Yeah, you nailed so, it. So uh, I'm not accusing them of anything nefarious, but it is it is funny that the two games mirror each other so closely. Now, now if we get a patches, I, I <laughs> then I might think that something's up. And I might also want to play pirates. That's true. Uh, I have learned. I, I don't play a ton of Hearthstone, but I, I have played some patches. Yeah, that's the type of card that could definitely... Get me, uh, you know, singing jaunty tunes and walking around with a parrot on my shoulder. All right. You're weird. Agreed. Ruin Raiders only three bucks. I'm not sure I'm, I'm going to pull the trigger on that one. Three is a lot. I, I mean, I think the card's very good and I wouldn't pull the trigger. So I think it's good. Uh, I, I, I just I, think the, the green cards are always good. And green has been like the best for such a long time. And like a lot mm -hmm. of those green cards are still there. And I think Ripjaw Raptor is going to be nuts. So that's why I want to pull the trigger. I think Ruin Raider is good. But I think it might go in like two or three decks instead of like six decks. Uh, I could see that. Ripjaw Raptor has the benefit of being the classic like Jundis creature, right? Like it, it fits in basically every green archetype. It, it attacks well. It blocks well. It draws you cards. Generates card advantage. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's just going everywhere. I actually can't even imagine a green deck that doesn't play this card. Like what does that deck look like? Yeah, I don't know. I don't either. Oh. At ramp, maybe. May that might not even be true. I'd, you may just play I'd this still game. play it. That might just be like yeah. your, your divination, this is pilgrimage, like tireless tracker thing that gives you extra resources to help you like make your land drops and use all your mana every turn, you know? like mm -hmm. Yeah, and I like it in context with things like Sweltering Suns. I, I think that effect is super powerful and, and likely to generate a lot of value. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, this is a very spectacular card. I got to have Raptors on my Raptors. Ooh, good idea. I hope everyone takes uh, takes that approach and just Raptor is bombarded with tons of Raptors to yeah, sign me too. at every event he goes to. Just wait for Worlds. All right, anything else? There's there's a ton of other cards I am interested in. Uh, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in this set, but we would probably be here to the end of time if we discussed all of them. And at some point, we're going to have the complete spoiler, and I think then we'll probably do our, our total wrap-up so uh, I got most of what I wanted to get off my chest off of it tonight. One more quick hit. I'll give one more quick hit. I think Entrancing Melody is a very good card, and I think it will likely see a lot of play. Um, one thing I found when I was playing uh, Confiscation Coup in my Teamer sideboards, the most often, often targeted card for me was Long Tusk Cub. So when I'm taking a Long Tusk Cub at, at two mana, I'm, I'm down with that. 
Uh, obviously, if the format's all about huge dinosaurs, this gets a little worse. But I think this is a good card that we'll see some play. Uh, I think it's especially good against pirates because mostly their CMC is pretty low. And it's good against tokens. Yeah, great against tokens. Scarab God reanimation targets. Yeah. Or, you know, easy pickings. Yep. Uh, and it's not a great answer to Hazaret, but it does the job. Expensive, but it, it gets there. You're exactly right. And, you know, it's it's nice to have these, these very clean answers. And uh, obviously the irreversible thieving effect, uh, as we've learned over recent years, is, is super powerful. So. Yep. Yeah, other than that, I mean, there's a Planeswalker, there's Hostage Taker, there's all these Transform cards. I'm sure we'll get into some of that next week. Yeah, Planeswalker sucks. That's another quick hit. Not into it right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan. Can't all be winners. Nope, nope. Uh, we still we still have Vraska, maybe not in this set, but maybe the next one. Yeah, something to look forward to for sure. That'll likely be green, maybe hanging out with some dinosaurs. Who knows? Maybe that's the glue to bring the dinosaurs together. Ooh. Isn't Vraska on a bunch of black cards? It's usually green-black, right? Yeah. Like, original Vat Vraska was definitely green-black. I don't know if her identity is more black than green, though. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe I need to read some flavor text and figure it out. Yeah, that's your assignment between this week and next, as you read all the flavor text referring to Vraska. <laughs> and uh, I'd like that written report on my desk prior to our next podcast. All right, well, I'm going to go do literally anything else. <laughs> and that's game. Good luck.